What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to slash watching the Spoiler Alert podcast, the weekly comic book discussion show. Uh, we are live streaming, so feel free to chat with us. We are on Facebook Live as well as YouTube. So if you have any comments, please toss them in the box and we will. Uh, be, you can be part of the conversation. The conversation, what is it, you ask? I assume because there's no comment. I'm assuming you're asking in your head. We're going to be talking about Justice League of America, The Nail, by, uh, what's his nuts? Alan Davis, uh, inks by Mark Farmer. It was written and drawn by Alan Davis. I'm Johnny Destructo. With me this week is... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. As well as... Hey, it's Brian Lee. Me. And, and then this guy. Hi, my name is Noel. I'm just pleased to be here today. <laughs> Someone's got to be. So uh, we got letter. Uh, May is a bitch from Carl Carls. Um, I'm going. I'm just going to read it. Hey, JD, Len, Noel, and Brian, and Brandon too. Can't forget him. I am just taking a quick minute to write a message to you all to let you know how much I appreciate your shows, Gutter Talk and Spoiler Alert. As you can tell by my subject line, this has been a challenging month for me. My Aunt Phyllis passed away 10 days ago, and if that wasn't bad enough, my mom passed away late Sunday evening. That's right. Mother's Day is tainted for me now. Mm. Um... Thank goodness it occurs a day earlier here in Australia. I won't go into details, but suffice it to say, I am gutted. During the pandemic, Australia's borders are closed, meaning that I am unable to return home from Tasmania to be with my family. I know, boo-hoo. <laughs> what? Uh, I am not writing this message to you all for sympathy. I just wanted to let you know that your shows have been a bright spot for me during this time and have really made me laugh out loud and feel as good as I possibly can right now. And I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate them. First of all, what the, the, oh, I know, boo-hoo. My aunt and mom are dead. <laughs> Woe is me. Like, nah, dude, that's cool. Like, you, you can boo-hoo. That's a totally legit reason to boo and who. Uh, as a side note, I have also I also have to say that Noel, I always have to figure out where to point. Noel, who I reached out to after listening to the Hawkeye slash Bitch Planet show, and even though he does not know me, was able to take time out of his day to offer much needed support. Your kindness, like the show itself, was greatly appreciated. Please continue to to create the greatest, funniest, and informative shows that you can, and of course. Please keep up the much-appreciated good work. Kindest regards, Carl Carls, a.k.a. the self-appointed 2000 AD Tribble. Um, it, it, was there a, a footnote on there saying to review Brown Fury, was it? No, it's not on there, but I do, it's here. I have it. Listen, Carl Carls, <laughs> it's here. I'm, I, I just need to get it to the other people in the sh show so we can all talk about it. Or maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll just do a um, put it in my box. Around. Didn't didn't we I can't read? put it in your box because it's <laughs> physical. <laughs> I mean, put it in my box. Oh, your that. vagina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Carl's a good dude. Uh, yeah, he reached yeah. out to me just to chit chat, and it's like, yeah, absolutely. How how are you? How are things? And and I, I think uh, you know, longtime listeners know that he lives in Tasmania. So uh, all the shit that's been happening with Australia this year, in addition to the pandemic, like Carl was there for all of it. Like, you know, getting your comics when the world is on fire, yeah. literally on fire. Uh, so he's been he's been awesome. Thank you for uh, yeah, me. for sure. And that's awful that he can't even visit home to yeah. be with yeah, his family Carl, during this time. When my he, when he, deepest sympathies for, yeah. for yeah. all of this. You know, it's it's awful. And I and all of us, I'm sure, are really glad that we can help brighten your day uh, or your time. But it's terrible, and I'm very sorry. When he, uh, when he mentioned that, my first question was, uh, was there family nearby? So to make sure that she just wasn't alone. And he assured that there was, and they're taking good care. Well, that's good. I'm glad, Carl, that you've got family nearby to help you get through these troubled times. So now, can we, on your behalf, get to some comic book reading and get to some good times right here on this Sunday morning? Please? What's up, Carl? One love, baby. No, I don't know. Let's, continue. let's, let's talk about some more sad stuff. Let's sit in this. Hey, um, uh, how you guys feel about the way that uh, the state's response to the pandemic has been. So we're here to talk about Justice League of America, <laughs> The Nail by Alan Davis. This is, uh, I would say, Alan Davis's love letter mm. to the Silver Age. Mm. Oh, is that what it is? A love letter? Uh, that's, I mean, that was his attempt. No. Okay. Whether or not it succeeded, I guess we'll discuss. <laughs> I actually uh, read the forward, which I never do. And he says... Yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, me oh. too. So I don't know. I guess Len has thoughts about it, but this is my all-time favorite Elseworlds mm, story. Really? Yeah, I mm. know a lot of people like Red Sun, which is great, and Blood Rain. Was it Blood Rain? Red Rain? Dark Rain? Something? Red Rain. Batman Red, one Red, with the teeth. Where it becomes J a vampire. JD. Red J JD. I'm going to let you speak, and then <laughs> I'm, I'm going to blow. <laughs> but not yet. No, no, I'm gonna let you speak. Hurry, <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> but after you finish, I'm going to turn your statement into a lie. Which one? Oh, that it's the best. Uh, the that is his favorite. favorite. That is his favorite Elseworlds. Well, can can uh, oh can, shit! All right, can we set up a primer for what Elseworlds are and what they aren't anymore? Oh. So, like, yeah. Well, no, I don't. I don't necessarily want to do it. Um, uh, yeah, elsewhere when? stories are. <laughs> well, let JD because he was talking. So go ahead. Oh, I'm I think, done. Well, yeah. it's an alternate reality. Hey, when? Why don't you tell the people? <laughs> it's, a, it's an alternate reality story. Well, I will. Continuity. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we are so I thought, <laughs> I thought we had to define it to prove whether or not this was JD's favorite Elseworlds story. No, no, no. Just what's an Elseworld story? Give examples of some other ones. So you yeah. guys had mentioned Red Rain, um, uh, Superman, Red Sun. Uh, is Kingdom Come an Elseworld? I think it is, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I, okay, when yes. it was originally published, it had the, the, the logo. Now, the logo doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. So things Elseworld. that have been reproduced yeah. and, and put back out, you know, reprinted, they're, they're reprinted um, not, you know, without the Elseworlds logo, including... Yeah. What I would would say is JD's actual favorite elsewhere. I'm so curious. What is it? And that, I, here, hold on. I'm gonna let you speak, Len. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm, gonna let you I'm genuinely curious because more often than not, Len knows my taste better than I do. So go ahead. What is it? I think JD's actual favorite Elseworld of all time is Darwin Cook's The New Frontier. Is that Elseworlds? Oh, yeah, shit. Is, is that Elseworlds? an Elseworlds? That is decidedly Elseworlds. I thought it was just like, you know, how they reimagine and do their, you know, like nothing oh, that's yeah. what, that's that different in Elseworlds. In, in what Elseworlds is. To me, New Frontier. I consider an Elseworlds to be to be like uh, a what if. If New Frontier is an Elseworlds, then yeah, that's my probably my favorite. It's not my favorite Elseworlds. It's one of my favorite pieces of yeah. fiction. Just yeah, across the board. Too. It's it's well, this is up there. Is what I'm saying. This is one of my favorites. It was ever since it first came out. I read it in issues. Uh, they came out in three oversized issues back in the day, back in 1998, I believe. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I've never been a big fan of the Silver Age. But I have since discovered my, I don't know if it's my, it's not my only niche. I have many niches. Um, but um, I would say one of my favorite things, though, is not the Silver Age, but when there is a contemporary take on the Silver Age. Mm. Okay. Like mm. Robin Year One or uh, Batgirl Year One, New Frontier. Um you know, modern retellings um, or reimaginings of things in the Silver Age. For some reason, the Silver Age itself holds no home for me. I, I don't go in there uh, and spend a lot of time. But uh, anytime they do something that refers back to it now, I like it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I actually, for, I, I agree with that. And it, for me, it's basically just how it's written. So the Silver Age, even though like the 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 plots and the stories are fun and recognizable and, and enjoyable, the way that it's written is just... So I struggle to read it. I don't enjoy yeah. that at all. It's it's a it's a chore. But those concepts with a more modern touch, I love. Absolutely love. Yeah, yeah. I love the Silver Age and I totally agree with you guys. Like, you know, the the old stories, I love to have them or look at them or even just the covers or think about them, but um you know, the Silver Age retellings in the modern era are a, they're like a totally different thing and probably more, you know, more conducive to like me really enjoying the story or all of that. And it's interesting too that with, especially The Flash, you get this, there were no Barry Allen stories in the modern age, you know, until recently. So he only ever appeared in these like backstory kind of retellings that weren't the stories that he was actually in. You know, it's kind of the Silver Age from the modern vantage point kind of deal. That splash page is awesome. The one that you just thought oh, There's a lot yeah. of great splash pages. Yeah. Each character gets their own, you know, like each hero gets their own one, I noticed, as it was going on. And each one is like, whoa, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it reminded me of the um, amazing Spider-Man annual number one with the first appearance of the Sinister Six where uh, mm -hmm. Steve Ditko gave Spider-Man a whole splash page every time he encountered one of the Sinister Six. Mm -hmm. Awesome. They made a yeah. series of t-shirts out of them. I regret not buying all of them. Mm. Len, what do you think about the Silver Age? <laughs> um, like, no, it does not read well. The, the concepts are cool. What really makes it stand out as very hard to read is that when you remember... In 1961, 62, 63, 64, the same time you're reading, you know, these overwritten, very 
corny Superman and admittedly Batman stories. The Justice League are really just a bunch of people running around in their comic book, different costumes, but they might as well have been the same guy speaking the same same language while Wonder Woman was back, you know, playing secretary at the, at the cave. You know, at the same time those things are happening, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko are putting out Spider-Man. They're putting out the Fantastic Four. They're putting out, um, they're reimagining Captain America and creating the Avengers and the Hulk. It's literally at the same time. So while you have love for the Silver Age, like, like Brian says, when you're looking at the covers and some of the art looks kind of quaint, the second you turn, you open the book, you're just like, uh, okay, next. Bye-bye. You know, um, but that's what made Grant Morrison's run on Batman all that more mm. delicious when mm. he just brings all that Silver Age stuff with the 21st century perspective. Um, it somehow makes it all kind of make some kind of sense in a way. Um, did it though? Did it make sense? No, I said in a way. Jeff in a way, in a nonsensical way. It made sense in a dreamlike state kind of way where that's what Grant Morrison does. (laughs) Jeff Johns, though, like same point, but does it in a in a more sort of concrete. Jeff Johns will cherry pick little things, whereas Grant Morrison will be like, "Oh no, throw it all in, just (laughs) toss it all in. We're gonna make an omelet with the entirety of the fridge." Um, did you, all right, show of hands, who liked the book? Huh? All right. Okay, cool. Uh, Len, that's what I thought. Len, tell us more. Why did you not, why, why do you give us a masa menos? Oh, I really was just waving. No, I like it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've always, I've always liked the book. I, I mean, the one thing about the book though, that, that struck me, even when the first time that I read it, from the first time that I read it is that, wow, this is, this is dark. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's real real dark um and being a fan of alan davis his his writing and his artwork and his artwork more, more so um mm. it was really cool because it definitely has a superheroic superheroic tone because he just draws good superheroes very strong strong characters but it is dark he's he's he is murdering at will on almost every single page, you know, he's just, um, and then he does this real, this thing and he's always done it. But in this book, it just really creeps me out because it's very intermittently. He gives Batman eyeballs and it's like, yo man, they they just, they're creepy when they happen, man. They are definitely creepy as hell, but, (laughs) But you can't knock the artwork. You can't knock him throwing himself into every freaking page. He draws a, He goes from a totally dis, uh, terrifying Batman to all of the heroes feel like they kind of have like their own physicality. I noticed that the Flash has a different physicality mm-hmm. than Green Lantern. I love the Flash in this. Yeah. 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 I love the Adam. I love I love everything. I love his Joker. His Joker's not the most mm-hmm. menacing looking Joker, but it's a damn good Joker. Mm-hmm. And of and of course Alan Davis I don't think he has drawn a woman that does not look, you know, fantastic. Um mm-hmm. so it's a gorgeous comic book. It's just real Real, real, real 
dark. But um, it's cool. Well, was, I guess that's I, the entire point, right? So anybody right. who doesn't know, we, we should we should preface this. We should tell the people. So the nail <laughs> basically posits that the day that Superman arrives on Earth, that Kal-El crashes to Smallville um, and uh, is found by Jonathan and Martha Kent. Um, God damn it. I can't say the name Martha without any, thinking of that movie. Anyway. Martha? Why'd you say that name? And um, so basically they get a nail in their tire and they decide to stay home and have sex instead of going and accidentally finding the alien boy. So that is exactly what they do. Yeah. That is exactly what they do. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I wonder if they had a kid. Look at that. Martha is thirsty. Look at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the mood to stay home. Don't bother, Jonathan. I'm in the mood to stay home. Mm. Oh, Martha Kent, you're shameless. Yeah. Um, So because because of the nail in their tire, the uh, nail that holds together the DC universe is missing. Uh, So um, there's still there's still a Justice Society of America. There's still a Justice League of America, but there is no Superman. Right. Um, And it even starts off with this little bit I like uh, from. What is this? A verse by George Herbert? It's the way that or they what? phrase it. It's like it's not that, but it's been popularly like I get the feeling he wrote something different. And then this is what's entered the public because it says colloquial, colloquial adaptation verse by George Herbert, which I kind of yeah. wonder what the original. It must just not sound as flowy or it like addresses yeah. a character or something, you know. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the knight was lost. For want of a knight, the battle was lost. So it was, a kingdom was lost, all for the want of a nail. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a great way to start the book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, to go back to what you were saying, Lynn, uh, it is very dark because a world without Superman is a dark world right that's the whole point i wondered like i I wondered when i read it years ago and it occurred to me again it's kind of like the marvel universe right it's Mm -hmm. this is the superhero universe without a unifying like positive universally um like loved messianic figure that is superman you know what i mean and then it starts to be like oh people don't trust them and well there was a plot but you know what i mean that was that was a feeling that I had while reading it. Yeah. And what, you know, one of the first things we see is that because super, and I was explaining this to Sushan yesterday before I had finished reading it. I read it originally when it came out and it had been so long that I kind of forgot major plot points. So a lot of this was n- new again to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the first thing you see is that Luther, Lex Luther is being reelected again as the mayor of Metropolis. And it's basically a utopia. Um, so I kind of right off the bat, I was like, oh, cool, because Superman's not here, he is actually able to focus his genius in actually making Metropolis a better place instead of constantly saying, <laughs> I could fix Metropolis if it wasn't for that cursed alien. And he just, actually does it. Always misunderstood. Just always willfully misunderstood. Yeah. Um, and I was a little disappointed to find out that later on it's all part of a bigger plot. But I kind of liked that that mm. version of Lex. Of like, he actually you- does care. Go on. Um, I was just, you know, okay. All I was going to say is, I mean, am I the only person that has never read this? That's all. Oh, like, yes. Stopped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's all. Okay. Yeah. We all read it. Did, yeah. did you guys read it? Uh, the three, the two of you who also read it, did you read it um, when it came out or just visited later? Oh, no. But I read it when now. it came out. I think yeah, I read it when it came out. out. Yeah. 
So yeah. Lynn, um, just to, to backtrack a little bit for a little bit of history, um, what do you know about Alan Davis? Well, Alan Davis is famously uh, an artist, first and foremost, mm -hmm. um, who I believe is British. Um, he started yes. over uh, um, doing artwork on like, um, I think he followed up, he did some work on Judge Dredd. He definitely did a lot of book art over there. I think he did some work on Miracle Man um, back in Ooh. the days of Neil Gaiman and Alan and um, Alan Moore. I, be I believe so. Don't don't quote me on that. Um, but he was big over in uh, England before coming over to the to the states, where he first, I think, the one book that made his big splash was on Batman. Um, he was on Batman with um, I can't remember who he was, who the writer was. Uh, he would then go on to work on uh, with um, Marvel doing Excalibur. I know that was yep. he was like big on them for for a minute, as well as doing other things on 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 uh, an X Men world. I think he, at one time he's done pretty much everything. He's done, he's did runs short runs on Justice League. He did runs on the Avengers. He did runs on the Fantastic Four. He became very much and uh, uh, for a long time. He, I think, may it be the late part of the 20th century, early 20th century, the artist artist. You know what I mean? That everybody that's like marvels at his at his technique. You're correct, Len. Uh, Judge Dredd, 2000 AD, Miracle Man, Vampirella, and then literally every single property for DC and Marvel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, for real. He was that dude. And he I'd like to see his Judge Dredd and his, his Vampire. I'd like to see both of those. He was another one of those artists who started off, and you can still see some pieces of it in his artwork right now, that he he started off a little bit like in that uh, Neil Adams world before mm -hmm. he started to develop his own kind of technique. And now you'll see that there are artists, some of the most acclaimed artists, who have little touches of Alan Davis in their art style, most famously to me, Brian Hitch, who very much started off as uh, Alan Davis kind of clone before developing his own style and, and look and uh, technique. I'm telling you, he's art, Wait, everybody's artist. It's almost, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Hitch. It's almost like Hitch has gone from Davis and then now he's employing a little bit of Neil Adams with his like rubbery yeah. physiques. Yeah. He just yep. completely went full circle on that because some of, some of his more recent stuff, like in Batman's grave, it's, it's got a rubbery feel to it almost mm -hmm. just like Neil Adams says, as opposed to the very like grounded and heavy weight of Neil or of Alan Davis. It's kind of funny. Mm. Yeah. Yep. But for me, I, you know, I, as much as I love Neil Adams, I really do. I think Alan Davis is, just ekes out just over top of him. I've never read anything by Alan Davis though, at all. Really? Yeah, I like I, as a writer, I, I don't remember anything I've read of his. And also too, like my introduction to Alan Davis was probably thirty years after his heyday uh, when I started reading comics again in the early two thousands, and he was doing like fill in issues and stuff for Marvel uh, of the books that I was reading, and then it would be like. Um, I've gotten, you know, like the, the writer would exclaim, like, I've got legendary Alan Davis. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, I'll go look him up. Like, it wasn't anything that was oh, like, wow. I don't have like fresh memories of Alan Davis and discovering him for the first time. It was like, he did a couple issues of New Avengers. Mm. Like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah, the Brian Michael this, Bendit stuff. Yeah, like this does look like it clearly looks of a time. Everyone mm -hmm. got the same comb over haircut. 
just in the same way that uh, uh, I remember John Romita, no matter what, every every woman has a 1975 blowout, no matter mm. what. Uh, just like stuff like that, like you just notice it. But it was his facial features that were just so great. So then I'd yeah. go back and look up stuff. But yeah, no, I don't have a, a relationship with Alan Davis, especially as a writer. If you so like, I had no idea what I was getting into. You like if you if you like his writing on this, these books, he would not long after these this this book and then the sequel follow this up because like you said, he does everybody at Marvel. Mm-hmm. He did a series of books of Marvel the end, where he wrote his oh, idea of what the last story of these characters will be. And I'm pretty sure, I know he did a Fantastic Four The End, yeah. and I think he did an Avengers The End as well. And they were both of the same kind of like um, packaging as The Nail. And it was him writing and art. He's heading in his dark darkness yeah. out. Yes. Uh, some some uh, listeners are chiming in. Uh, Max Mancini says, damn, Len just pulled a Kanye on JD. Uh, Hal2814 says, morning, guys. It's your boy Charles in Chattanooga. I read The Nail and liked it, but didn't know there was a second one. So, look, you learn shit from watching us, y'all. And then uh, <laughs> Melly G says, hey, gents. Is that Melissa Gums? That is Melissa Gums. Yeah. What's up? Uh, so Len, I remember what I wanted to ask you earlier. That it wasn't that um, it was my favorite Elseworlds. It was that it was his love letter to the Silver Age, right. and then you were sort of poo-pooing that. Did you did you follow up with that? Is that why you said that? Because he thought it was too oh, dark to Silver Age. Oh uh, yeah, just because it was so dark. It was almost like he was just blowing the blowing the Silver Age the fuck up in this, in this in this book. So that's why I was like, you know, like. The love letter? Is it really a love letter? Or is it, or is <laughs> is it, it a dear John letter? Exactly. <laughs> you know, not you, so, it's me letter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um let's let's talk about the book. What did you guys think? Brian, uh having yeah. re- did you I assume you enjoyed it the first time you read it? I did. I did enjoy it. Uh, and how did you feel returning to it? Did you enjoy it as much or less? I, or I you know, I don't remember. I'd forgotten like major elements of it, so I really just remembered having enjoyed it. So I would say about the same, about the same amount. Um, I felt it uh, more resonant with the political climate of today, and that made it a little more uncomfortable to read than it would have otherwise. Um, with Luther's Luther being an elected politician and having, I mean, that actually happened in DC comics later, but um, you know, it's a, it's a negative state and that hit me more now, really, you know, and also how there's an incredible amount of xenophobia and fear of aliens. Yes, Mm -hmm. there is that as well. Um, And uh, you know, a lot of like government trampling on liberties and that sort of thing, which, was a common element of the of stories uh, back at that time, and you know the good guys won, which is always nice to see. There's also uh, there's also like a layer of entropy over all of this. Like they're heroes and they want to do well or mm-hmm. or save people and and be a force for good. But there's also there's a level of entropy for all of them where it's just like, yeah, yeah. But what's most important is the seas. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm a like they're all very just right. a little bit detached. There's no yeah, yeah. So much as like example. we just we're just coworkers. All right, yeah. like we don't have to like each yeah. other. Yeah, like they don't even all know each other's identities. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Which uh, I really like. What's that? Oh, I really liked it. Like I liked mm-hmm. that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry and the Adam. Speaking of friends, uh, that was an interesting pair. You know, usually Barry and uh, Hal Jordan are best oh. friends. You get the uh, in this one. You know, the world turned out a little different, and they seem to like each other well enough, but they don't really hang out. But uh, the scientist Adam hanging out with the scientist Flash. Uh, they make Makes a real sense. good team. It's cool. Yeah. The original science bros. Yeah. Um, how'd you guys uh, that one thing where the Adam is describing how his powers work, like step by step, what he'll do to break into the thinker's lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hated it. You didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I hated it. That was actually my biggest complaint of this whole book is it's, <laughs> that is the only time that um, it feels like I'm reading something silver age everyone explains absolutely everything that they're thinking, feeling and hurting, whether there's another person in the room or not. And I'm like, God damn it. Just make these text boxes. Like just, just make them like text boxes or thoughts. Why the fuck is this person speaking so eloquently about everything they're doing to, to avoid detection? Oh, so um, actually my apartment, I describe in detail what I'm doing. In the back, uh, Alan Davis in the afterward uh, says, uh, it also seemed appropriate because the nail is an attempt to recapture the sense of fun in comics I read as a kid and more important, the accessibility. There are no narrative captions, no thought balloons, just a simple, sharp, fast paced story that can be read by anyone of any age, including those who haven't developed the skill to simultaneously read art and two or three textual threads. Even if by simplifying the text, I risk alienating a few readers who see the literary conventions as essential, essential sophistication. So he even says he's not doing the thing that I think Noel said he's, you know, that he's doing, right? So this is pared down. So it's, um, I, and it, I think the, I noticed it as well. And I thought, oh, this is very Silver Agey, but it's not as egregious as the Silver Age actually was. Very so true. it's got just enough for me to be like, Here's a little flavor of the Silver Age without, you know, sort of bombarding you with it. And I was like, oh, I, thanks, Alan Davis. That was the perfect amount. Nom, 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 nom. After you reading that, I do, I do appreciate what he tried to do. But if it, if it's, as, if it's too like make it uncumbersome, really, like, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Yeah, especially in the, in the sequence yeah. that you're talking about. Like if it was in text boxes or spoken. Like I just thought it was cool that the Adam is like, here's how I will use my powers step by step to do this thing you know yeah to be fair too like in the past i i have and we have all complained about other writers who like modern writers who do this in text boxes a lot and no one speaks to anybody uh tom king i'm talking about you like whole sequences will literally just be like a poem or an allegory or a story <laughs> or, or just prose novel right. in the panel, in the side of the panels and no characters are interacting with each other. So like that is obviously way on the other end of the spectrum and probably, and also just as egregious. I, I don't, I don't know. Like if it was, if it was to make it more accessible, then yeah, it didn't work for me, but it didn't hurt the whole thing. I actually really liked all of this. I think with a book like this, where he's trying to connect with other readers and be accessible, I think it's important for someone who doesn't know how the the Adam's abilities work to sort of demonstrate. Like a lot of them, you get it. You're like, oh, okay, Flash runs quick. Got it. Um, But like with somebody like the Adam, I like the ins and outs of like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to alter my density this much so that I drop like a stone, but then I'm going to 
get a little bigger so that I could, you know, it's just, I, I like that for him specifically. I don't think it mm. needs to be done for everybody. So the, and I found it engaging to read um, I, that I particular bit. So, I yeah, understand. I think if he had done it across the board, it would have been frustrating for me. I don't understand what he means by in, in the after, in the afterward or forward that you mentioned, I don't understand what he means by um, it being, more or less difficult to read if these were in text boxes versus dialogue boxes because they're still happening. So it's like he broke his own rule by squeezing something in natural into dialogue when it could have like I that, I just don't understand what what makes it more or less accessible to not have a description box or a mental dialogue that doesn't happen in audibly. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe for the rest of the book, but in this sequence explicitly, it's like he needed to get it done so. Break your rule if it makes it better. Well, if you if you um, have each like if you want to have dial or uh, thought balloons or that maybe figure that tracing it to well this only works for text. He's alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not having to your your brain is not having to cognitively decide as to what is internal and what is external or what is right. like being said outside of the panel or inside of the panel because the character is literally alone for the whole four page sequence. Well, maybe if yeah, but then you're but do then it. you're wondering if it's some omniscient narrator who's doing it. Is it him right. talking? Is it a is it a voiceover that he's talking? Like you know, is it one of those scenes where someone is relaying what they did in the future that they had done in the past? It's basic language of comic books. Seventy pages into the into the story, so I I just I I don't see it as being a hurdle. Hmm. Okay, personally, well, I, 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 mean, I, will, it, I will agree that um, regardless of the structure or how the format of he, that he does it that Alan Davis like a lot of writers or artists of his time um, especially the ones who are maybe not writers first can be a little verbose in their writing and thus um, you know you have these ideas you've nope. you've also mapped out how it fits story-wise and, and what the, your panel layout is going to be. And now you've got to tell your story and like, oh my God, I've got to fit in a whole bunch of words here because there's so much, you know, that I want to fit in to tell this story. And I haven't given myself a whole lot of space in amongst my pretty pictures, you know? And so I will say that there were times when I, when I read this, when it originally came out and even now, and I certainly feel it even more so on the sequel where the writing is a, it's a, like, wow, he had a, to fit in a lot of here. There's a lot of plot. So, yeah. It's, um, um, and, and this is, this sequence is almost like right in the middle of the first book. So mm -hmm. it's almost like it, it, um, the style, the writing style of the beginning of the book is, like he mentions, it's a little bit more accessible. It's it's a, it's a very straightforward, fast-paced story. And then it, as it amps up, or even as the plot thickens, it kind of peaks here for like a major point in the mystery. So it's like, it's getting harder and harder to keep that, that kind of edict of accessibility. So right here, it kind of is pressed to like, it's, it's, it's stretched really thin, but then it comes ramps back down when he's able to get past that point. So it's, it's almost like this this sequence that you mentioned. I loved, I loved the science of it and like his thought process, but just the way that it was in boxes was very awkward. But it doesn't last long because it just ramps right back down the hill for the rest of the story. It's like this was the sequence where it just felt weird, but then everything was mm -hmm. fine afterwards, so it's okay. Okay. 
Sweet. So, uh, Len, same question to you that I posed to Brian. Uh, how did you feel rereading it, revisiting this story? Um, I felt kind of like the the same type of thing. Um, like Brian, I felt like you know, like whoo, this is like uh, this is little um, uh, a little too on the nose with what's going on been going on the last few years some of the things um the one thing i did think reading this was how cool especially because superman is not here it would have been like how cool this would have been if this had been ad adapted into the JLA movie, like mm -hmm. after Superman dies, mm -hmm. if especially since if you want to after Superman dies, then posit that Batman is an older, wiser Batman as he's you know Ben Affleck is supposed to be. That if you did this as that story, so then you're saying that Superman's been dead. For, maybe you just say he's been dead for a while, mm -hmm. and this is what has happened to the world in his wake. Yes, there have been heroes inspired from him, but also we the earth doesn't know how to take them batman is now older you know so that's that's the one thing i read about it um yeah. those those movies definitely needed to be darker <laughs> well, <laughs> well we, i hear you that's that too but it was still would have been a better story. It would make sense. It would make sense as if Superman, like in the Snyder verse, it would be the same as okay. it is here because Superman never really existed in the Snyder verse. There was no figure of hope. Um, right. Like, like Superman is supposed to be. There was just another dark dude with red eyes. So, right. But, um, but I, I fell in love with it all, all over again. I, it, the artwork, the, the artwork just, just sends me, it, it, it's a picture book for me. Um, yeah. Now I will say, I will say, when I first read it, you know, it, spoiler alert for a, a what 30, 40 year old comic book or something like that. Um, when I first read it, it was so dark, and then I was hoping that once you know the Cal L figure is revealed at the end, that okay, there's going to be some sunshine here. But no, there's still one more very intense dark moment that happens right there at the end when why they gotta kill his parents? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm like I'm like, yo, like yo, like <laughs> I thought we were done. I thought we were heading towards the sun. It's like God it was like watching an episode of Oz. It was like then nobody goes untouched in this damn thing. So it, it, so reliving that again, honestly, I was like dreading. That's the one thing I was dreading about reading this. I don't want to see that again. And I, I got to see it again. Ugh. It's so funny. It didn't really occur to me how dark it was until you've You've been talking about it now. I guess it is pretty dark. Everybody oh, yeah. does. But you know what? Another thing that I did read, it did hit on me, is that for all the stories that are happening in here, again, and this, I guess it's a little bit of a shame, and I, it's the mindset that you put in the 21st century. I don't think that his women are depicted very well story-wise. I don't think they're given much to do. Like, I don't mind the idea of Catwoman being there for Batman, but what I also kind of like 
probably championed in 1998 and now kind of like rubs me a little bit the wrong way is that she loses a little bit of her identity and then, you know, becomes Batwoman mm-hmm. in this thing, you know? Like, um, and she is, you know, once she's introduced, she pretty much is just servicing the Batman plot in the story as yeah. opposed to trying to develop something of her own, which is fine. She's not in the Justice League. But they're not really developing anything with Wonder Woman or Hawkwoman either. Yeah. So I, yeah, Hawkwoman's main thrust essentially is is not like her constantly feeling she's not good enough or as good as Carter was. Right. Who got fridged? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get the not good enough. I thought I I took she's, from her like I want to be out. Like I'm not. I'm not. She's constantly. Uh, I'm looking at it now. She's constantly pretty much like her internal dialogue, or sorry, her outward dialogue about her thoughts is about uh she can't use her her goggles as well as him and she misses him every day and how dare they not understand they never talk about him like mm-hmm. it's well, I just it's fresh was, but it's not that fresh thing. there not, is the goggles thing but i just thought she was sad about like i don't you know like she i'm is. not this anymore you know she is but like it's been years and well, yeah. her her main thrust for the writer is really just to hmm. still be mourning it or still not consider herself elite, right? Or good yeah, enough. I, the thing I noticed about the females is that they're all wearing very revealing uh, 70s outfits, 60s and 70s outfits. A lot of the costumes are very um, male gazy. Um, and, you know, having a male gaze, I, I wasn't mad at it, uh, but it, it was something I noticed. I was like, oh, this is. This is not usually how women are treated these days in comic books. Thank goodness for it. But um, I think there's a lot more uh, done with female characters in the sequel. Um, I just yeah. finished reading the sequel today, yeah. uh, this morning, like five minutes before we started. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. There was a couple of things about this book that I actually enjoyed. Um, not actually. I don't know why I said actually, but I really enjoyed. <laughs> um, you know, there's sequences where we get a couple of red herrings that I liked. Mm. Like the Starro... Why can't I? I don't know how. To, I don't know how cam- cameras work. Starro, there he is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not Starro. I thought that yeah. was so cool. Yeah. What about? I was like, oh, clearly that's Starro. Oh wait, that's crypto. Shit, that's weird. The the Brainiac thing on the Bizarro has, but I couldn't remember if those circles, if that was just a coincidence, because I'm not sure that those circles had yet started to be representative of Brainiac. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Yeah. The, the uh, uh, so again, I hadn't read this until. And honestly, I thought I read this. Like <laughs> people have told me, like the nail, and you should read the nail, and Elseworlds, the nail. Hey, did you like this? You should try the nail. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> um, and I thought I did. I, I I knew that it was like, oh, what if Martha and Jonathan never found the baby? But I honestly didn't know anything past that. And. Mm-hmm. uh all the stuff with Jimmy Olsen was a straight up shock to me. Oh, like okay. that was yeah, a totally surprise. That. Yeah. Yeah. I was All like, of it just, and, and it made sense. It was weird. And then on top of it, I was just giddy because it was the old school Kryptonian uniforms with the weird, like, yeah, yeah. The weird, like bone things up their arms and shit. Awesome designs. Like I was just this the whole last act of this book, I was just like, fucking bring it. Yes, 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 yes. From crypto on, from creepy mutant crypto on, I was down. I have a question. 
because uh, in my head, when John Byrne was drawing all those Kryptonian designs, I thought because they got them down the sleeves, I thought they were like ruffles of fabric. Are they? Is that oh, supposed no. to be bone? It looks like bone to me, like almost just uh, maybe not as dense as bone, but just like yeah. accoutrement that goes down to the to the yeah. fingers. Like not, it wasn't cloth. It's definitely yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I had still a, a third impression of their makeup, which was like. They're like little spongy kind of things that go down the side. And yeah. I don't know, just like... Mr. Byrne, if you're listening, could you tell us the, yeah. the tactile consistency of your like costume designs? Thank you. Please. Just write Thank in. You. Just sign in. Just write in. Um, I think there was only one thing. Um, if, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there was one scene that I was... It, it struck me the wrong way. And it's one of those tricks that a comic book creator will use that you cannot do in any other medium unless it's a novel, right? You can only do it in the written word. And that is the sequence where Batman is... He's slumped over in his chair and he's all sad. <laughs> uh, Boo-hoo. Uh, oh, because his, um, his sidekicks are dead. And then Robin appears. Robin is in the shadows. And right. he, go, he says... You swore on your parents' grave to fight for justice. What about justice for your partners? Oh my God, it's Robin. Am I seeing Robin? No, I'm seeing I'm seeing Selena Kyle dressed up as Robin, which kind of hot. But <laughs> it, it doesn't work in real life because that would clearly be Selena Kyle's voice. But because it's in a comic book, the reader goes, "Oh, is it a ghost? Is it Robin? What's happening?" Right. You know what I mean? It's just one of those silly little storytelling faux pas that uh, I stuck out to me. Yeah, or anyone else in the costume? Or hair. Was that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, just that whole thing of anyone else yeah. in the costume. It yeah. would never work yeah. in like any other medium. Right. <laughs> like, oh no, it's a completely different size and build. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that a 14-year-old yeah. boy? Why no? It's it Selena Kyle. Looks just like Robin if yeah. they're in shadow, you can't see your ears <laughs> yeah. going like everything is awful and it's like oh that's robin totally robin um i i was uh by the end of this though i was kind of cheering i was cheering at the at the turn of uh a effed up green lantern pretty much giving his power to to oh. batman as he just continues to wail on on jimmy olsen i was like this is cool i don't think i've ever seen that because honestly, I mean, I did think like, why doesn't Green Lantern just protect himself and then power on it? But he shoots the ring over to uh, to Batman, which I thought was cool. Yeah. He also phases through stuff, which was like a Silver Age thing that he could do. And the, I bring that up because the only time Guy Gardner had been like augmenting his own body for years in one Green Lantern story. And it's the only time other than this that I can remember that happening. But it's just... Uh, yeah, he phases through the wall. Powers. Yeah. Uh, how come when Jimmy Olsen sets um, Amish Clark on fire... Sorry, Cal, Carl, whatever. On fire, it burns his beard off, but not his hair. Yo, I was thinking... It does, it does burn his hair. Look, he's got the long... He's got the long hair and a beard. And then the next time, he's got a mullet. <laughs> Sorry, it wisps it wisps his hair back. <laughs> because that, like he just stepped out of the salon. That straw hat uh protected, like that flammable straw hat protected the whole top of his hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, J Super Jimmy was all about Kryptonian, you know, kind of life at that time. I assumed that he did that on purpose to make <laughs> his best. I love Alan Davis's depiction of 
fucked up Batman. Like, oh yeah, beating the uh, hell up Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you mean? Do you mean like? Where'd he go? There he is. Oh god damn it! That one. Yeah, that's the one he just showed. Yeah. Oh, did you show it? I didn't see it. Sorry. Yeah, like super fat lip Batman. Yeah, and yeah. And lumped up eye Batman. Yeah. And it doesn't disappear for the rest of the story. Like other artists would just like he's in the background. It's fine. But no, he's just always looks like half of his face is falling down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, um, think about Batman's like, you know, travails, and then that was uh, that was rough. Speaking of darkness, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what stuck with me ever since reading it the first time, which was the brut- brutality with which mm. uh, Robin and Batgirl are dispatched. Now it's all off-panel. But boy, it, it felt so brutal and harsh to me. Um, yeah. it, it really stayed with me. Uh, I felt I felt that loss reading it the first time. Like it, it emotionally mm-hmm. affected me, and it made perfect sense how destroyed Batman would be after such a thing, um, which is not always the Batman we get, right? Um, mm. You know, well, even when yeah. when Tim, not Tim Drake, when Jason Todd died, like he was mad, mm-hmm. but he wasn't he wasn't this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was one of the things that, even though I read it decades ago, every time I think of the nail, I think of that scene with, um, you know, the silhouette of Batman holding the dead Joker, mm-hmm. having mm. murdered him. Mm. I just, I love, I love that scene. And of course, in, as a kid growing up, I went, finally, finally murder the Joker. <laughs> right. It makes perfect sense. The <laughs> only thing about that, that I'll, I'll say is that this the scene before you see him holding the dead Joker, where you see them fighting, I don't think you really get a sense of him killing the Joker. Because for the majority of that page, Batman's getting hemmed up. And it's yeah. only in shadow that you see there's a the the crack, but you never really you never really see Batman's like hands on Joker or anything yeah. like that. Even in that shadow, it just cuts to the next scene and Joker's dead. Mm. You know? Yeah. Oh, how uh, I did think how Barry took out Amazo was the most brutal thing in this entire book. Yeah. Oh, phased yeah. his brain out of his head. Yeah. Yeah. Great use of uh, you know like the intricacies of super speed. I love how mm-hmm. and he goes on a little bit about it, just a little bit. I like that because that was the the more uh, to me like the about time thing. You know, mm. So I'm so tired of people just tripping uh, Barry Allen or putting ice under his feet. You know, like <laughs> yeah, he's this is Barry Allen. He's a scientist. He is smart. Yeah. Use your brain. Amazo yeah. is as dope as Amazo is. He should be able to take him out. So I like that. Yeah. Also, the thing about the ice always bothered me because every artist draws his boots like that. Yeah. Right, got treads. <laughs> he's yeah, got treads yeah. on him. I mean, if but you've ever like worked he's wearing Spider-Man socks, if you've ever worked in an industrial kitchen, it doesn't matter what anti-slip <laughs> you're as on your on your <laughs> shoes, like that's you're true. that's you're going grease. down. That's different. Yeah. I mean, it's anything. <laughs> um, so what did you you know going back to Jimmy Olsen? What did you guys think of the culmination of this whole big plot? You know, you think I, it worked I, out? I I thought it was cool. For I mentioned a second ago, and I'm not sure it was even appropriate. The it, on Bizarro's head when you see it, there's the three Brainiac circles. So I was like, oh shit, it's Brainiac. Yeah, yeah. 
I was like, oh, it's Brainiac. And because Superman wasn't around to stop him, you know, he's got the alien technology and all that. I was like, oh, that would be really cool. But I don't know if they had started using those circles yet to depict Brainiac because that's not a real oh. So, and there, it could just be a design. I don't know. And, so, uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I can, can we recap? Can you guys recap his plot for me? Because I think I understand it. Which not sure. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he, had been had been used like Lex Luthor used him to graft that on there because he, or graft the uh, the D, the alien DNA onto him because mm-hmm. he had been muddled with before, mm-hmm. right? So he he had the propensity of being able to handle uh, metahuman yeah. abilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it worked for the most part. So then Jimmy took over and then started stealing, uh, uh, absconding with with metahumans in order to test them to make sure that he's able to. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, because Jimmy Olsen out. has now been melded with was it like the um the Eradicator <sighs> program? I think which so. is supposed to pre- uh, uh, to preserve yeah. Kryptonian uh, cri- the Kryptonian way of life. So Jimmy has been absconding with the different uh, superheroes to see who else besides him uh, are is able to yeah um, meld with the cloning process to create more Kryptonians. Thinking you know he mistakenly thought that he was impenetrable. Um, which we find out he isn't. Yeah, and it's it's he's named the the program is named the Eradicator because it wants to eradicate the possibility of Kryptonians. It wants to eradicate the, the, if Kryptonians were to wants, go away, it wants to eradicate that idea. So it wants to save yeah. you by destroying everything <laughs> else. Every I will eradicate everything that is not Kryptonian. <sighs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, it makes perfect say, sense. Okay. I think I think why they called it that originally, because it really doesn't make sense. But I think when it was originally introduced, <laughs> it would it was the reason that they came up with that Kryptonians didn't just all leave Krypton. Um, you know, because as spacefaring we get closer to it, it's like why wouldn't Kryptonians be able to just leave? That it like killed Kryptonians that tried to go off of Krypton and so then it was called the Eradicator and then it developed like because it loved Krypton. I mean, it doesn't straight up does not make sense as his name, but I think that's how it arrived. Like, I think that's how it came to be. That sounds like the retconned version of yeah. uh, we need to make this fucking name and this uh, disparate <laughs> story make sense. So let's like create a middle part somewhere down the line. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the Avengers in the Avengers movie where he's like, if we can't save the world, we'll damn sure avenge it. I'm like, oh, finally. The Avengers make sense as a name for people who save people. Um, Oh, but him, uh, I guess the Eradicator was around, right? So it was, because they don't mention that in this, in this comic, right? It's just like, it's more implied. They like overwrote him. And so now he's not the Jimmy Olsen we knew. Yeah. Yeah. But it's implied like Noel said the Eradicator was around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess. And he had already, like taking I, the eradicator form and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, but to your point about the, the whole Brainiac circles, I think that may have been established by now in 1998, because if I remember, and I could be wrong, but I think that really doesn't be, didn't become a thing until the Superman animated series. Was, I think was, they adapted it from there and that would have preceded this. Yeah. Yeah. Tied it to Krypton's or destruction and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Yeah. I didn't realize that came from the animated series. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that that's the first time I really took note of it, and I th- then I think over years it got adapted into the um, yeah the book. Because he had little. I have a question to you, Silver Age guys. What's happening? Shade the Changing Man. Oh, that Shade the Changing Man. Yes. Whom I never read anything of, but always seemed like this weird, awesome. Yeah. Also known as also known as Nightmare Fuel. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was. I think it was Dicko. Right. Dicko did some art on it. Dicko, maybe Steve Gerber might have done like a notable run. There was a recent somebody, the Changing Woman, Shade, maybe. Uh, It was just the young animals, I think. Sorry, what were we saying? No. Oh, it's just, it's absolute nightmare fuel. It's like, hey, this force field that's going to help you is going to look like a constantly morphing, (laughs) crazy version of a thing that you will (laughs) run from. Like, it's wild. Randy Randy chimed in about the history of Eradicator. I don't know if you guys want to remember. Yeah, of course. On on Krypton, the Eradicator does all that it could over the years to protect Kryptonians, even from themselves. <laughs> when a group of Kryptonian explorers leave Krypton in search of a new planet to colonize, the Eradicator alters their birthing matrix matrixes and makes them fatally allergic to lead, thus creating Dax. Yeah, yeah. needed further ensure that nobody left Krypton. The Eradicators alter alters Kryptonians by encoding in them a genetic defect so that they will instantly perish if they leave the dot, dot, dot planet, I assume. Probably. It, the comment got cut of off. I can cite that. Uh, right before the New 52, there was a really cool Legion story. I heard, uh, it was when Monel took over as Superman for a little while, and there was a... Um, James Robinson. Yeah, it was just around that time, and they did like a one shot that told of the history of various Legion worlds, I think, and Daxum. Yeah. Or it was, oh, there was that, but I'm thinking of a separate thing. It was like a history of Daxum, and uh, it was a great, it was a great single issue. If anybody likes that kind of thing, I found the rest of the comment. Oh. Uh, that if they leave their world, one of the surviving aliens, known as the Cleric takes the Eradicator and leaves Krypton with a group of followers. Unfortunately, they die soon thereafter as the Kryptonian genetic link to their home planet precludes their survival off-world. <laughs> hmm. Thanks, so, Randy. Yeah. So it, it, it is, it is a, a long story to make a, a name make sense because it, it was named before it was like discovered, right? All right? No, no. Well, he was. it was just this like Kryptonian matrix that he found when he was... He's self-exiled, and then he brought it back. I'm not sure that they called it the Eradicator. It's the thing that turned him Kryptonian, and when he would fly standing up wearing the wearing the white thing on the sleeves outfit, that was this was the thing that did that to him. And then it was just around for a while, like years and years, before it was used in the Death and Rebirth of Superman stuff. So I don't know when the name when the name started. Yeah, I first came upon him when uh, they did the Death and Rebirth of Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's. Uh, would you guys recommend JLA the Nail Volume sure. One? Definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it. I thought it was. It's, it holds up. I think it's yeah. beautiful. The art is great. The colors. Oh, I'm, I'm super into it. Yeah. And this then. Trans- get. Oh, I was just gonna say it transcends nostalgia. Like, there's a lot of things that you guys have asked us asked me to read recently that has <laughs> been very rooted in nostalgia. And if I wasn't there, I won't enjoy it. This transcends that. Like, this is this is a really mm. fun story. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering how I was it was gonna hold up for me when I went to go mm. back to revisit it. Um, 
you know, last week we talked about DC versus Marvel and I just hated <laughs> it so much. Um, and I was very happy that I could um, like this as much as I did. Now, that takes us to another nail, also by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. Uh, this was a slog for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once I wanted, like after the nail, I wanted more of it. I liked that world so much. And I like Alan Davis's work on it so much, uh, that I was really excited for another story. And, um, honestly, I don't remember anything about this. Hmm. So rereading it today was the first, like, kind of almost the first time for me. And, as it's just as beautiful as the nail, the colors are great, the inks are great, the faces are great. Everything about the art is just as good as it was the first time around. The story, however, while having uh, a lot of really cool follow-ups <laughs> from the original one, overall, I was forcing myself to continue reading it. Um, yeah, the the little nuggets of coolness were almost not enough. Um, and I think that the, you know, the, the wrap up of everything, not only does not, not only does the motivations of one of the characters not make sense to me, but it was jumping around so much that I lost track of Ollie and, um, Mm -hmm. Black Canary. And was that supposed to be in the past? Because he's in a, he's in a hospital bed. Is this directly after his, um, you know, his, uh, uh, what, what would you call it? His so being fucked up by a mezo, you know what I mean? Like the, no, the, threads, was, the threads got confusing after a while for me. Yeah. He was, he was fucked up by a mezo. Then a lot of time passed. And then the first nail and then this, they, they mentioned a couple of times that this is a year after the events of that, one. like Superman has been on the scene for a year and making himself crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah but this, this sequence reads like, yeah. This is after his um, getting his arm ripped off from Amazo. Oh, uh, I think he's I like he was so beaten up that he's just like he's so, on his last legs. Uh, I yeah, um, I I read this last night. Um, it was difficult, and I knew it was going to be difficult because of the first sequence. The whole opening of this book is the recap of a story we did not get, and then. As soon as it's revealed that the main characters, the JLA, are watching like a video recap of what we just saw, I was like, oh, fuck you. Like, that's <laughs> the worst story device of like last time on JLA the Nail. Like, it was, <laughs> it was just so upsetting. But, but the stuff that was happening, I actually really thought was cool. I, I wanted to see mm-hmm. the, the Green Lantern Corps against, uh, you know, the new guy or like intervening in the new gods uh, apocalypse war. And I straight up loved Barda and Scott free and what they do with them. That is literally the best thing that came out of this whole goddamn story. They're, they're very quickly becoming my favorite couple in all of comics. But then every time that something new or cool is done with them, even though this is not new, it's cool though. Uh, New to me. I, I loved every second of it. So every time that they went away from her, I was like, all right, whatever. And then when it finally is revealed as to what's causing all of these unexplainable issues, I, again, I had another moment of, oh, fuck you. It was like yeah. a made up weird thing that didn't there's tie so many... everything else together. I was like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, there's so many different threads and so many. And 
it's not just me, right? He, yeah, he. Okay, here we go. There, there is. you go. <laughs> he, he, he struck down. I just what was happening. <laughs> uh, space amoeba. I don't know if that came through. It was all about was, space amoeba. Yeah, a, yeah, a limbo really, cell. Yeah, a giant cell of limbo. But but it didn't really connect all the dots of uh, gates of hell being open. Of of like it was just like. Hey, this big thing is gonna do all that stuff. Sure, let's. Yeah, or and we're gonna other thing that happened. I wasn't sure. You know, like oh, this is just also occurring. Like Batman was so disconnected from everything else, and that tied into his story. But yeah, I don't know that they had even had anything to do with the with the ultimate threat. Then it might have just been like oh, we were trying to bring Rex back, and then these other things got. So I, I JD had told me earlier this week that maybe there was supposed to be a third one. Right. Yeah. He said he wanted final nail. Okay, so I think that they weren't related, and only in so much as the plot, uh, the way that he constructed the plot of the first one yeah. is he very briefly introduced the the new gods war with Oa, yeah. and didn't fucking touch it at all. That was cool. And I love then, how like, hey, how we dealt with this whole thing? I'll tell this you. One, yeah, this one kind of deals <laughs> with that ish, and then and then kind of does a riff on Crisis on Infinite worlds or crest on infinite earths with this piece of limbo that's connecting them all but it introduces this weird magic crap of opening gates of hell and things are happening Mm. so i suppose that the third one was going to be all magic based so this was like the crisis one that one's the magic one yeah yeah but here it just feels like okay Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas also in in the original mail the green lantern new god stuff is like Oh, there's this crazy thing happening over there, but you don't really need to know about it. It's just, it's a bit unusual that they would bring it up, but kind of interesting in that fact. Whereas uh, this was not, this aspect of it was not present in this one. Yeah. I think also. I just look at it as, you know, the the, um, space amoeba was affecting not only space and time, but, you know, dimensions. That makes sense. Could have been both. You know, it could have been both of them also building. I think Elseworlds is is so interesting when you see the one major change and then all of the little changes that come because of that change. And the original one did that very well. I found myself, so I did enjoy reading this, but I I found myself reading it just like, oh, it's just a, a slightly different way for the JLA to have played out. We're just in a mm-hmm. different DC kind of continuity. And I'm enjoying that but it doesn't feel as much um, it's not as elseworldsy uh, now that we've yeah. been exposed to it already. Uh, and we're just kind of seeing another way. That being said, I liked ha- seeing how some of the threads played out and all that. The uh, Scott free in the ring as was one of the parts that I've remembered, you know, all along. And I was like, Oh, that was in this comic. Sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Also Clark getting his costume or not costume. Sorry. Just got, uh, Carl getting his disguise is yeah. one that always um, I love the kind of theater explanations like, no, don't go for the whole big wig. It's too, you know, be a little more subtle. Just the glasses yeah. a little, you know, under the radar. Is more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's another one that. Um, oh, uh, yeah. That, they- that's the only time that that sort of thing has worked for me, you know, because mm-hmm. in past past versions of this it was like look i'm gonna put on glasses they're yeah. never gonna recognize me and the yeah. fact that they started with this whole shaggy man like 
hobo outfit basically yeah. and they're like just relax just that's too much here just yeah. do this and do this and it was like oh, okay that makes a little bit more sense did in they the ever, real world did they ever wrap up the so maybe i maybe i overread it or misread it did they ever wrap up the plot point of uh between wonder woman and aquaman like they found that android body at the bottom of the ocean they and did. then were thrown through time and then you saw that Desaad actually designed that thing but it was never really brought back up what the hell was that that was the thing so that was a piece of the of the weapon that ultimately oliver shot into the that costume that android was a piece of the weapon like it's it's actually like that that dude that could evolve things he's i think a pre-existing character of the new gods it's a straight up android oh that android uh, that is a good question because I thought that was a mazo when I no. first saw it. No, they find it at the bottom of the ocean, being protected by some other, yeah, apocalyptic, yeah, person. There's a there's a lot of, and then that thing threw them through time. There's a lot of stuff in it. It's hmm. it's thirty pounds of story in a five pound bag. I wonder if that would. I wonder if that's another example of what you're thinking that he was laying the groundwork for something else because it totally looked like a proto amazo or something. Oh, yeah. you know what? They did actually say that Amazo's abilities were based on that space limbo thing, the the cell that could absorb energy. Mm-hmm. That and I think that place that Wonder Woman and Aquaman found had something to do with with that space limbo thing. Maybe it was like an early, like an early test, and supposed to be a you connect the dots, but it didn't really. <laughs> no, the, the the dots weren't weren't clearly linked enough. That that I did not was, connect those dots. Yeah. Also, I don't also, too, like I loved the reveal of of the the crime syndicate, but it was wasted. It was yep. it was literally just to tell you, like, oh, uh, the worlds are the vibrational frequencies are bleeding a little bit. They yeah. they didn't really do anything with it at all. Which and I was the whole and, and, oh, Gary and Adam are yeah. gone, man. Just kind of racing through other worlds, and you're like, oh, cool. And, Marvel Universe, you know, and and they get out of it because the window broke. Like, I, <laughs> what? What happened? Was it a time storm or something? Like that? Yeah, all, that whole yeah. that whole thing was just like whatever. Just just get me to the big reveal at this point because I I there's just too much thing. There's too many things happening to to make me mm-hmm. care about all of them individually. You know? Yeah. Did you guys know what world that was when when? Uh, Barry and Ray are racing through the different worlds. They come across Captain Marvel's Earth, and then there's like one in the center with like a guy with a green outfit that kind of looks like Magnus Robot Fighter, but in green instead. And, and he is fighting robots. Oh wait a minute! I think I I think I here he is. Yeah. Do you guys know what that is? Oh pa- nope. Oh wait a minute! Wait, wait, no no no! But bring up I, your picture's not clear. I can't really see it. What? Let me see. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't. Know. I vaguely recognize the ones to the screen left on that. I just, they're like a parody kind of thing, but yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, they're probably a parody of somebody. I wonder yeah. if they're a parody yeah, of the of the Valiant universe at the time. The one in the center. Yeah. It could, or like, who knows what rights were where. At was it called? Point. Wasn't there a gold key or something? There was there was a gold key. Yeah, was that Magnus and Doctor Solar and, and all them? No, that was no they idea. Weren't, 
I think they were valiant. They weren't because Gold Key was mostly like for just so. um, uh, kid kid comic books mostly. Huh. So Len, yes. What did you think of another nail? <laughs> I think it's uh, it was um, one nail too many. Um, yeah. <laughs> I th- I thought it was I thought it was actually like Alan Davis trying to get his um his crisis on George Perez on and draw every single person in uh-huh. the in the uh, DC universe um and just trying to you know have fun murdering a whole m- bunch more um I thought that it was again you can't knock his art so it mm-hmm. looks beautiful and some of the ideas are not bad and they're interesting but it's so stuffed that he can't really um yeah i actually think that might be a a a take on on the valiant universe at that time i think you're talking about the the dudes up top fighting the robots but either both of them were completely unrecognizable to me so i was like whatever just keep going yeah Yeah. sorry randy had asked that i show it full screen I'm so go ahead, Len. Yeah, I just, I, I just think ultimately that it's just a little bit too much going on in in the book. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful art, but the story is just so stuff that it's it, nothing ever really hits home. Yeah. So therefore, the only things that hits home are the art and the great splash pages that he puts in there. You know, mm-hmm. returning to that yeah. trick that he did before. Um, but. It's so it's cool, but it's just it's just it's 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 nothing, and I said that's why I don't think it's as memorable as as yeah. the first one. Yeah, it's a shame it really lost steam for me because I really love that first one, and the second mm-hmm. one I was like, oh, I finally I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna remember it this time because <laughs> I clearly forgot it. Yeah, and uh, nope, I'm probably gonna forget this one too. If I'll be it like, was what, space me about what are you talking about? Yeah, if it was like forty percent smaller. Just a little bit more focused and smaller. I, I would have totally enjoyed like exploring more of this like world without Superman or world now with Superman and how that's yeah. adjusting. But it was just it was just too much too fast. And because of that, everything felt short shrifted. Yeah. Oh, but there is two, two check out a final nail though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I still would have liked it, to have read it, yes. Yeah, like now knowing that there was a third kind of you know, stories often come in threes. It's a cool kind of thing. And who knows if there was a third one, maybe you'd be like, Oh yeah. But then it pays off in final nail, you know, like all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. You were talking oh, about women also. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to uh, go ahead. I noticed Lois. So single heroes get splash pages and Lois gets a splash page as well as, nice. a, you know, and I like her splash page. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we were talking about the females, the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, women have a lot more to do in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think they're treated a little bit better. Um, there's there's oh. a whole team of them, in fact. Going to that page where we're talking about trying to identify the people. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I do think that that's supposed to be Magnus, who is like the ro- – I think his full name in a Valiant Universe is like – Magnus, like the robot fighter or something like that, and I think yeah, that's the reason yeah. why he's fighting the robots. The 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 team over to the left of him, that's the inferior five. <laughs> they Which were Alan like Davis might have worked on, right? No, Alan Davis didn't work on them. Yeah. The, the, the inferior five is like from 
mostly from the fifties, and then and then oh. when they were used again in the Silver Age, it was Keith Keith Geffen kind of oh, riffed okay. on them a little bit, and then the last one I think if I'm I'm almost certain that's supposed to be a riff on um, Captain Marvel. Of oh Marvel. no, that's Captain Adam. The last one is the um, Charlton. So, so that's a Charlton Captain Adam, right? Okay, yeah. okay. Who was basically a knockoff of the Captain Marvel at that time? All right, cool, cool. But no, Captain Adams—he's totally different. He's got the—he's not. I good. think I know he's not, but he always in that iteration of him reminded me of the Captain Marvel that Marvel was doing at that time. Oh, that Captain Marvel, right? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> So I had two things that stuck out to me as, as things uh, that I did not like in this book. Mm-hmm. One is, and it was it was bad enough in the first nail. Uh, what was it? Batwoman's new costume. Mm-hmm. Oh. And her new costume again. Her newer I costume. It. I hate it so much. What? Uh, and what's what, on you look about it? Like what is the color scheme? Yeah, because it's her Catwoman, purple and green, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. I like the costume design, but the if that was blue, I think it would be a pretty sweet costume. Well, the eyes yeah, don't the make any sense either. No. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other thing that really bothered me was in the first nail, it's a big deal that Oliver Queen is crazy. He's <laughs> nuts. He hates all the superheroes. He's angry. He's, he's jealous. Uh, he's trying to help bring them down. And then this time, he saves everybody and he's back to normal and he's in the Amazo body and he saves the world and he's acting completely normal. Um, and it seems like there was no reason for it. Hmm. What'd you guys think of that? I like to see, I mean, I love people coming around, right? So I guess you, we didn't really see it happen, but no. I was, I was willing to believe that Ollie was like, Oh, you know, I screwed up, but no, we don't see it. And the Phantom stranger even at the end is like, Oh, no, I wasn't trying to save reality. I wanted to give this tortured soul a chance at redemption, um, yeah. which was Oliver. Uh, you know, I, I, I could take it or leave it. I thought it was cool that he got to, when he said somebody's going to die, I was like, oh, good. It was, you know, he gets to redeem himself and he's, you know. Uh, yeah, I just, it felt like it started at one place and then it was yeah. immediately at another place and there was no transition. I was going to say, like, on paper, it looks great or it sounds great, but it didn't happen in the course of this story that literally everything else happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those are my two, like, big takeaways from the second. I didn't like the whole bit with, with Batman because to me, like, all, all of a sudden now Batman's fighting the Joker again, yeah. but he's a demon. Yeah. And they're going to hell. It's almost like, like, dude, there are other stories to do with Batman. Yeah. And Alan yeah. and, and Alan Davis worked on Batman long enough, even though he was more of the artist at that time, but he worked on Batman long enough that he knows there's other other, you know, ways to go with this story. You told your ultimate story, he, he killed Joker. Now move on. Let's do something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, said, I didn't like that. I think he wanted I liked it because it, it, it sort of showed us that not only were time and space being affected, but also the hell dim- dimensions and we're mm-hmm. releasing demons into the world and stuff like that. So I kind of thought it was cool. That was probably my favorite part of this book, besides Superman uh, and how self-conscious he is when he has to accept an award. I thought that was great. My favorite, my favorite. Oh, so I, I liked 
I liked the Joker fight only because it was just a way of of bringing the character back around to closer to before their deaths, before the deaths of Robin, and it was it was just a narrative choice. It's fine. I mean, it was it was a little whatever, but it's fine. Um, no, my favorite part of the entire book is that the strength of Ollie's beard supersedes <laughs> Amazo. Yeah, I like that. I did like that. Well, because no, he can shape shift. He's uh, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, the mentioned. way I read it is the strength of his beard supersedes. <laughs> <Amazo>. <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, you should all know that I'm good now. Beard. Beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't. I'm not entirely sure. I would recommend another nail. Yeah. Oh no, no. Well, they co- they come collected together now with no indication where one starts and one ends. So you're just you're with it. It was real tough. Yeah. You know, I got through it, and I'm like, I think I'm reading another nail now. <laughs> I actually <laughs> tell. <laughs> there were no chapter breaks and there was no different, like there was no, li- like, you know, I could tell where the first one ended because it was a big old splash page and a see right. you guys tomorrow. However, there was absolutely no indication in the book. And I was just like, this sucks. I want to know. <laughs> the beginning of another nail kind of starts out like it might not be the first page of something. You know what I mean? Like it right. could be yeah. an epilogue to something else. I had to do some flipping around because yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Because I was reading the digital version, and I was like, is this fucked up? So I went back to my hard copies. I was like, oh, no, that's the first panel of the second nail. But it it feels like it's not. It feels like it's out of sequence. (laughs) How was this released? Was this released in issues? or just? Yeah. Both of them were three issues each. Yeah. Yeah, I I really, like, all my collected editions, I would like to know chapter breaks. I, I, like, across the board, I, I hate when they take the seams away. Like, all books have Definitely. chapter breaks. Just let it go. Definitely for another story. Yeah. <laughs> like for, yeah. For, like this. for Batman's yeah. Grave, if they do a collected edition of Batman's Grave, I'm not going to need you to right. differentiate. Be better it's, it's, all, it's written specifically. Yeah, I, yeah that's, a, story. that's a real specific example of take away the chapter breaks. But yeah. for yeah. almost all things, like they write them as specific chapters to a larger story. Like, why would they... Taking it out just seems like a weird executive decision. That's just like no, 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 it's fine. Just take them out. It's an extra five pages. Let's get rid of it. I'm like, eh. I have not read so, Rat Queens. Yeah, Melissa Gums asks, "Have you ever, have you guys ever read Rat Queens?" I have read Rat Queens. We did a book club on it at the, my comic shop. Um, nope. I, I wonder why you're asking though. Is it related somehow to this that I'm not seeing? Just curious. Uh, she, she's asking, curious whether or not we've read it, and possibly if we all haven't, which mm. doesn't sound like most of us have, it might not oh. be a, a bad idea to maybe introduce it and read it for spoiler alert. Interesting. Melissa Gums, is that your official request for the next yeah. episode of Spoiler Alert for us to read volume one of Rad Queens? Because we'll if do you it. were asking just out of curiosity, then we will not read it. That's well, right. You know what? Yes, I need Everybody, a specific request. Let's, let's, Let's be quiet and wait for her to re- respond. Yeah, this will be great when I uh, put it out as an audio podcast. Go ahead. All right, this isn't happening. Did you? <laughs> Where's your patient? <laughs> you lose. <laughs> the hell, dude? You flinch every time? It's <laughs> a forward motion. Back to the beginning um... of the nail. Did you guys notice? One of the trophies they have is called a Jovian whatnot, W O T N O T. No, I don't, no, I don't remember that from. It's like in the second page, and it's this little red thing, the Jovian whatnot. 
I totally thought the thing that Superman got, that's what reminded me of it, in another nail was some kind of trick or a trap. Me too. Yeah, it's like, made oh, out of we got it out of a meteorite. Yeah. It's it's one strange thing. Let me put it in the trophy room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the next one. Oh, oh. exactly. And Melly says, exactly. Thank you, Len. So Excellent. this is her official request that we read Rat Queen. So we're next episode. Next Sunday, join us at 11 o'clock where we will be discussing Rad Queens Excellent. at the behest of Melly G. Sweet. Um, any final words for a nail and another nail? Did you notice what Batman had in his trophy case? What do you he got? Had, he had Batmite stuck in amber in, yeah. his, in the Batcave. No, it I is dark. He goes I hard. I did notice, speaking of that, I did notice in the JLA trophy case, they had the the murdered corpse of red tornado i saw that torn apart <laughs> yeah God damn like that's that's awful it's like um uh what's that called when you stuff a, a bird it, it's um put it on it's taxidermy <laughs> taxidermy like that's dark shit you guys are just hanging out with the robot corpse well maybe in that universe red tornado never turned good you know he was, oh, he was oh, that's, that's right he was a villain yeah. still pretty dark Hey, being a hero has consequences. That's true. I thought Ray Palmer, <laughs> everyone else, when he was breaking into the Mad Thinkers lounge, I was like, "Oh, Ray, he's done." Like, he keeps this is so focused on him, and when he got zapped, I was like, "Oh man, I liked him." And he was still alive. Yeah. He's all right. <laughs> um, all right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you wanted to let us know what you thought of JLA The Nail and Another Nail, you can email us at coldpopgo at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex. You can help the show out by going to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo, or you can go to JD's Hero Complex dot shop. Uh, I am constantly uploading new trade paperbacks and stuff that you can buy from my store, and I will mail it to you, uh, including gift cards. Uh, Len, where can people find you? Hey, you can hit me up every place that you find the Black Tribbles podcast and YouTube show, blacktribbles.com. We're available as a podcast any place and every place that you find podcasts. And we also stream live on your video on YouTube and Facebook in our Tribble Nation Facebook group. And we'll be coming to your way an hour and a half at 2 p.m. with Gutter Talk. Where we're talking Gutter about Talk! what? When we talk about what happens when old cartoons become new cartoons, does it work? Tune in and check us out and see for yourselves. No. Oh, uh, people can find me wherever injustice is served. God damn it! And I will. <laughs> That'll be on the Black Tribbles YouTube channel. And I will. I will find you. No, uh, I. <laughs> Don't look for me. I I I'll find you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'll find you. It's fine. Uh, yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or any of these social medias uh, on the Cult Pop Podcast Network, and I will say hello. Thanks. Brian. Hey, JD. I'm at BrianDesign.com. Uh, now kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh. he was gonna eat his whole head. My whole head. <laughs> I use it all the time. That's it. We're done. That's it. <laughs> See you guys. We did great. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs>
so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.